Hello and welcome to Messages at BBC. In these messages, you'll hear from professors, staff, guest speakers, as well as students. These messages were spoken and recorded on campus at Boise Bible College. If you'd like to check out Boise Bible College, please see our website at boisebible.edu. Good morning. How are you guys doing? You guys doing good? Okay, listen. Chris did get in trouble for coming to see me at, where were we at? Wynema? Ross, we were at Wynema. That's where he came. Wynema Week of Missions. I am a Southern Oregon girl. I grew up in Grants Pass, came to BBC, met Chris. But listen, camp prepping was different back in the day, okay? There was no, like, such thing as, like, like uh, maps on your phone. Ross just handed us these huge, fatty binders yeah. with printed-off directions from MapQuest. And I got to Colorado with my camp rep partner, who will remain nameless, who ended up being the weirdest guy I had ever met. So it ended, why am I so much shorter than you? Oh my gosh. I'll stand, never mind. Um, and it was like the worst summer of my life, the best and worst. If you want to be a camp rep, do it. It was so good. It was amazing. But it was the end of the summer, and I actually begged you to come visit me. It was for your well, wellness and mental health, yeah. I had to, I had to be there, yep. Man, we've been married for 18 years, like Mr. Grove said. Here's a weird thing, too, that happens in your college career, is that you graduate and you grow up and you become peers um, with your professors. And I walked in yesterday into the Bible college, or into the front office, and I went to say, like, is Chuck here? Like, Chuck, is Chuck here? And I, I walked up and I went, is Mr. Faber here? Mr. Like, I cannot physically cannot call him Chuck, even though I'm a no, I'm allowed to do it. But nonetheless, we want to show you guys some old pictures of ourselves. If we can do that. Can you guys throw those up there? This is how cool we were. Here we go. That is, what do you think, 2003? We are on our way to the drive-in movie. Chris's car, Sparky, is what we called it. You'll notice under Chris's hat that he has hair. That is bleach blonde, and he looks like Eminem. So there was a time where Chris had hair, and he, like, you could, like, afro it out even. Like, you, it was, like, curly and thick and luscious. It was a stage. It was a season. It's gone. Okay. Gone. It was a little yep. season that lasted way too long. All right. What's this next one? Here we are. This is us bogus, base, bogus basin snowboarding. I know we don't look a day older than that. How old are we there? 19? This is when I lied to Chris and told him that I love the outdoors. Um, <laughs> And then I married him, and we promptly became an indoor family. Yeah, she and told so, me that she loved going on hikes, and that she was outdoorsy, and then we got married, and she very indoorsy, very indoorsy. Very indoorsy, and good thing Bates we live in North Idaho. So, and then we worked at the Garden City Library, which is now over here, but originally we were over, it was over in the strip mall behind us. This is a year that we dressed up like... Um, it's Halloween, yeah. Yeah, this is Halloween. We dressed up like librarians. Yeah. And before, Harry Potter was a thing, but you kind of look like Harry Potter right there. It's weird, so... Yeah. Anyways, that's how much it changed our life and even set us on the trajectory that we are on now. Just the passion for ministry, the passion for discipleship, and the passion for his people. So we're honored and blessed to be here. Yeah, we have four daughters. We're, oh, I should say, like, we're both on staff at Real Life Ministries up in Post Falls. Does anyone know where Post Falls, Idaho is? Does anyone know where Spokane is? Yeah, okay. So we're about 30 minutes from Spokane, about 15 minutes from Coeur d'Alene. We are a weird anomaly of a church we run about uh, 5,000, 5,500 in the middle of this small town in North Idaho. And so it's just cool to see what God's doing and moving. Chris is an executive pastor. No one knows what that means. And I don't think he does anything, so it's fine. No. Uh, so, no, Chris oversees several of our staff. Um, 
including my own team. So Chris is my boss's boss. It makes zero problems at home, so don't worry. Um, but we usually just blame him for all the decisions that we disagree with. When he makes a decision, like painting the cafe orange, we all blame Chris, and so it's fine, yeah. And then I am on our uh, women's team and our group's team. Um, we oversee um, our life groups, and so the men are overseeing the discipleship of the men in our church, and the women's team oversees the discipleship of the women in our church. And I'll do a plug right here, lady, I, ladies. I am passionate about women being in ministry. Chris is going to be in meetings all day today. I'm going to be working over in the student union building. If you want to just talk women in ministry, what does it look like in today's culture? How do you live that out? What does it look like even to juggle being a pastor's wife, someone in ministry, raising kids, all those things? I am more than willing to process anything, any questions you guys might have, theological or just personal. So anyways, I'll be over there. That's just a plug because I'll just be typing away. So anyways. One of the things that's really cool for us and really special for us is that we started doing ministry uh, here, yeah. you know, while we were in college. We got to be able to be, we actually started in kids ministry at what was our ministry there. That was a really cool part of our story. And we fell in love together and we fell in love with ministry together. And so it's actually pretty neat that Sarah's, you know, come from being at home for so many years to, to work together because we get to do ministry together, and she jokes about it, but we really do love it. We love we do love we it. love be, being together and doing ministry together. It's just pretty cool, and that's actually what we're talking about today is kind of the first love of where it all comes from. What does that stem from through this kind of series you guys have been in in this chapel season of simply being like Jesus? Today we get to talk about this amazing category of what does it mean to simply love. What does it mean to simply love Jesus, that that is where our, our heartbeat comes from, that the overflow of what we do in our relationship with Jesus is wh why we even have ministry, right? And we can lose track. I remember sitting in the seat where you guys are right now and being in classes and, and studying and sometimes kind of getting lost in the things that we were studying and remembering, going, having to go back to over and over again through things like chapel or through things like preview reminder with students coming in. Why do I, why do I want to do this? Where does it all come from? Where is the heartbeat? that it, It's the love that Jesus has for me and it's the love I have for Jesus that allows me to even think about ministry, right? I mean, without, without that, it's just busy work. Without that, it's just a job. That it starts with this love that we have for the Father and that, that without that peace, everything else doesn't really matter, right? I can get an amen in here. Are you guys responsive? Yeah, you like that? Without the love we have for Jesus... Everything else we're doing is just busy work. And we're going to use a passage today uh, you might be familiar with. So key and crucial in the life of Jesus. This is towards the end of his ministry. He's praying over his disciples. He's giving his disciples a final charge in John 15, 9. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now listen, remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Man, what a great charge that's given to the church, given to these disciples. It's pretty simple, really. Remain in my love. Live in that, that that's the, that's the source, that's the power that you get, and then do the same to others, right? That, that you would love others just as Jesus loved you, that you would then be an embodiment of the love that he has given, that that is this, it's really pretty simple, right? I mean, ministry is summed up in this picture. This is the greatest commandment. It's just like this is such a simple picture. It's not easy, right? But without this heartbeat, we miss the whole 
what you're doing in ministry, the ministry training, the understanding of the Bible, without this, this rooted foundation in the relationship we have with Jesus, everything else is fruitless. Yeah, and it's funny because a couple weeks ago, this, story, this thing happened to Chris and I, and I want to like, invite you into this story with us. Uh, but first thing, you should know, Chris and I are both firstborns, so we love a good argument. Like if, we do, like if we do premarital counseling with any couple, the first question Chris always asks, well, he asks two. The first one we won't talk about right now. But the second one's always like, have you had a good fight yet? And usually in the naiveness of relationships, they go, no, we haven't. And Chris goes, for the next six to eight weeks, I'm going to pray that you have one good knockout fight. Because learning how not to communicate, knockout, not well, knockout. not knockout, just like, fight. you know what I'm just saying, fight. like a good knockout fight. So, because learning to communicate, so we are true believers in a good conflict as long as it is respectful and fair, but that is how you grow. So, the other day though, we had a brand new roundabout put in uh, really close to the church. This brand new roundabout and... Um, Do you guys have roundabouts here? You guys have roundabouts here? Like, you know, here, like everyone, driving right? roundabouts? Everyone understands you, them? Okay. Okay. They're, we actually have a lot in North Idaho, but people don't know how to use them. It's a very confusing tactic, and so... It makes this guy really mad. And so anyways, so they build this roundabout. And the confusing thing about this roundabout, though, we're driving to church Sunday morning. It just first opened. Here it is. There you go. Got to have the visual. It's about 640 in the morning. And this is how this confusing roundabout is. So you see that it has two lanes, right, as you enter into the roundabout. When you, if you're in the right lane, right, you get to keep going, okay? The only problem is that the next street that you can't see is just a one lane. So it goes from two lanes to one lane. So my question is, thank you, everybody. Oh, my gosh, you guys are. My question is, is if there was another car inside the roundabout that was going to exit at the same time, who has the right-of-way? Oh, you did mixed reviews. Thank I know. you okay. for helping thank me. You. Thank okay. you. Okay, wait, uh, hold on. Let's not say anything. Who <laughs> thinks it's the person in the right lane? Raise your hand. Okay. Who thinks it's the person in the roundabout? Okay. Here's the problem. Chris and I drove this roundabout three times with three of our children in the back seat to prove each other wrong of who had the roundabout. Because there was no yield. Yeah, yeah, no, okay. Hold on. Notice okay. there's no yield sign. There's no sign. yield sign anywhere. Yeah. So we, like, we drove the roundabout. We started arguing about it. We got to the church, which is not very far away. And Chris goes, we have to go back. <laughs> Went back, drove no, we, the roundabout. We grabbed a police officer to go with us. So, then, so we did. So, well, first, then we grabbed a former police officer who's on our staff. His name's Jesse to bring him with us. We argued about it again. He actually had mixed reviews. We ended up putting it on Facebook because obviously public opinion matters to resolve this argument. Um, I won, just so everyone knows. The right away goes to the person in the roundabout legally. Thank you. But what's interesting enough that we kind of actually started talking about, because Chris and I are dorky with all things, is the bigger question is who's going to yield to who? Like, no matter what, there is no yield sign in this situation. We actually tagged the Post Falls Police Department, and they put yield signs up, like, the next day. But there is no yield sign, so somebody has to choose to yield. Someone has to choose to yield. No matter, actually, who has the right-of-way, even though the person in the roundabout has the right-of-way, if he sees a car coming not yielding, he has good common sense, right, that maybe he should yield, even if he does have the right-of-way. And for myself personally, when I look at that verse that Chris just read, I love the part where he, Jesus just says, what is it? He says, I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. That Jesus himself is showing me that he yields to the father. Right? That, I love that Jesus doesn't ask me to live out something that he isn't already living out. And I think sometimes, uh, especially at the beginning of this college career, it's, 
it's amazing, you guys. We cannot describe how formative these years were for us and how awesome it was. And even having board members now back here, we all went to college together. It's just like we live this incredible lifetime together and still are friends to this day. But um, there is a bubble that we kind of live in. And it's easy, I feel like, sometimes to remain or to be all in with the Father when all I'm doing is eat, sleep, and breathing. Boys of Bible College. Or right, I'm eat, sleep, breathing his word, I'm dissecting, I'm learning. But if I'm not, like if I'm not choosing to make it personal, right? And so that's when I think, when we think of like, man, what does it mean to simply love? Or what does that look like? We have to first simply love Jesus personally. Yeah, and that's kind of the picture that we see here of yielding. Uh, we, we, have to, we have to pause for, for someone to go, right? In that, in that analogy, that, that word picture, the, well, what we fought about. Um, you you know, thought you were so right. I did. I you thought were I was like, so right. You were going to the mat. But here's the deal. I'm not going to get in a car accident just to prove that I'm right, right? And just that's why we love this, this, this word picture and this analogy is in our relationship with Jesus, a lot of times we can do that. We can go, hey, I, I know where to go. I'm going to go first, right? You know, I don't, I don't need to wait. I'm going to lead the way. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run ahead and show you, Jesus, what I'm passionate about, what I'm excited about. And I love in this word picture is this word remain, to, to slow down and to abide, to be within and to be connected to what he wants for us, to actually see his leadership as more important. That we actually see, what is Jesus doing in my life? I need to slow down long enough to listen, to yield, to follow him, just like Jesus did with the Father, right? What did he do with the Father? He, he slowed down long enough to hear from him, to remain and abide and follow his leadership. And again, we get that choice. We get that choice every single day. We get that choice in our classes. We get that choice with our friends. We get that choice in marriage. Man, I mean, just, just even a great marriage analogy. You know, am I going to be right or I'm gonna, am I going to be in right relationship? Because no one really won that fight, right? It was fun. We, we love to argue about it. But I did. Yeah, okay, I she did win. She did. She did win, says the police department. So anyway. Uh, well, but we, <laughs> yeah, keep going. No, that's good. Keep but going. we get to remain in and, and be connected to and abide in the love of the Father. And what we think this is so important in the, in the category of to simply love is that it really is that simple, right? To remain in the love of Christ, to remain in his being with him is to follow his leadership and to say, I'm going to yield to what you are going to do in my life. And the cool part of, of the season that you're in right now is that you get to live that out and start right now. And like Sarah said, that's just a, a picture. You're in the middle of it every day, but it's preparing you for what is to come. It's preparing you for leaving this place to be in a full-time vocational ministry or ministry in the workplace, whatever that looks like, where you get to say, how do I put on Jesus? How do I put my first love in the first place and, and follow what he has for me? Because I'll be really honest right now, it's, it's really sad for me to watch so many that I did actually go to school with that would sit in the same room that you are right now that aren't just not in ministry anymore, they're not even in a relationship with Jesus anymore. That's really painful to see. It's painful to see friends that, that they actually didn't connect and abide and remain in the Father, that they didn't have that personal relationship that was so core to that, and I'm not sure what that meant for their time here. Was it all fake? Was it, did, they, did they stray? We're not going to get into that theological battle right now. But their relationship with the Father is not the same as it was when they were here. And I, and I watch just, and that's happening around the nation, right? You watch ministries and pastors, and you watch 
you know, people falling from, from their leadership roles for a lot of different reasons. But to me, that's so sad because they're missing this love relationship with Jesus and that he cares for them. And, and before the ministry, before the thing that they're doing, that they're missing that he cares for them personally and that he wants to, he wants to change their life and be a part of their story and he wants to affect their life right where they're at. It kind of is this, this uh, uh, word picture I thought of when I was in college. Is It's kind of like um, opening the Bible, kind of looking at the Bible, and just taking the Bible, and I'm just going to, maybe it's a paper that I'm turning in. I'm just going to go, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to internalize it. I'm just going to send it back. Does that make sense? I'm going to read the words, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dissect it. I'm going to keep it at arm's length, and I'm just going to turn in a paper. Or maybe it's for ministry. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the words of the Bible, and I'm going to prepare a message, and I'm just going to give that message as opposed to this. This is the opposite picture. I'm going to take the Bible, and I'm looking at my Bible on my iPad. Anyone have a paper Bible that I could use real quick here? Come on. Someone's got to have a paper Bible. I just want to see it real quick. This would be a better picture. Thank you. Yes. Wow. First place. I love it. Yeah. Nailed it. So good. This is so good. That was quick. I don't know how you did that. Taking the Bible, taking the words of life, and just taking it and not internalizing it and just... Giving it. As opposed to taking those words, wait, hold it for a second. Yes, I can. Taking those words and going, what does this mean to me? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to internalize this, not just at a head level, but a heart level, and that because of what I'm transformed by in understanding who Jesus is, that affects my ministry. Does that make sense? It's a subtle shift from going, I'm going to take the Bible and I'm just going to give it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it, I'm going to write a paper, I'm going to take it, and I'm going to preach a message. That you go, this word of life affects me at the heart level. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to take it in first. That's the first love that we have is a relationship with Jesus that transforms me internally. Transforms my marriage, transforms my parenting, transforms my friendship. And that because of that, I actually have an overflow of my ministry. That word overflow, just think about that. Say that word with me, overflow. Overflow. The overflow is that the love of Christ working in me affects other people. And that's the, you can have your paper Bible. Thank you. Oh, dude, I don't want to keep it. That would just be, this is beautiful. Thank you. I mean, I'm ashamed by my iPad Bible. This is just, man, terrible. It's out of the overflow that we actually get to have ministry, right? And if you do it another way, if you do it at a distance, it's only so long that that runs out. That tank runs dry and we're depleted. We're emptied. We don't have anything to give because it's, it was just words on a paper. Well, and I think it's interesting, and you guys probably know this more than even we do, is when Chris and I were in college, as young as I think I want to be, like, like YouTube was just barely a thing. Facebook was just, like, it wasn't even a thing. It did not even exist yet, those things. And so, really, the local church literally was the local church. There was no Craig Rochelle, who had bazillions of followers. But there was no Stephen Furtick, whose top half is way too big for his bottom half. Can we all just agree he on that? He skipped leg day too he, much. Oh, <laughs> just, right? But there was no, like, there was no idea. Not that there wasn't, but the intensity of comparison, I think, in the church today is running rampant. And we now look to numbers as success rather than discipleship as success. And I think it's important as you guys start your journey that if your identity is not fully right, if you do not just simply love Jesus personally, you will get in this idea that how big your ministry is makes you successful, right? But if, like Chris said, if it's not coming here and then going out, then it doesn't matter, right? 
and it's dangerous. And we talk a lot because we we are a large church, and we um, we take our some of our students. Um, we'll take them through our own ministry training program, and we'll raise them up onto our staff. And sometimes we tease them because um, they've only ever done what we call big church. And so we have some people on our staff like. That's very rare. Like in my, in my position, I do several different things, but I'm really just in charge of like women's discipleship. I have a team of five of us. That's all I get to do. When Chris and I first started ministry, I wish Bill Cross was here. We were doing kids ministry. Nick Duffel was doing youth ministry. We each helped each other out. I think we'd all been married for a whole year, still helping with marriage ministry because obviously we were experts at this point, right? We were like running ministries way beyond our wisdom and experience. And the idea that we talk about especially with our own young adults is that real life ministries cannot be the thing that sustains you for the love of ministry and his people Jesus has to be that and if you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus in that way if you do not just simply love Jesus personally you will dry out you will run your course and you will you'll plummet you'll fall and I even think about which I think we've shared before but and it's not why Chris is bald but uh, Chris got cancer almost five years ago you're almost cancer free this is going to be a cool year. This year, Chris is going to be cancer-free. Thank you. Thank you. But, I know. But it's not because you're bald. But that's not why that's I'm not bald. That's not why you're bald. Okay, no. thank you. Um, that's the question we get asked. But I do remember when Chris first got diagnosed with cancer, um, I was, like, appalled at Jesus. I was like, how dare you? Like, do you not see, like, the great big laundry list of perfection that I, I, I have here to show you? Like, I went to Bible college. And, I, and I'm a pastor's wife. And at that time, I was a stay-at-home mom, so I was better than other moms. And um, my husband was, I'm not joking. These are things that God and I wrestled with. But what God showed me is like, Sarah, you have created a checkbox that now I owe you love. When I just simply love you, would you please just simply love me? Yeah. So, That's yeah. good. Such a good picture. So our, our main point is pretty simple. To simply love, I have to simply love Jesus, right, personally. And the second piece is just the overflow of that. To simply love, I have to love like Jesus did, right? Because of the way he loved me, I have this overflow in my relationships with others that actually affects that I truly care for them because I know that I'm truly cared for. And we see this in Ephesians 5. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. One of the students prayed that way earlier, and I love that. It's a sacrifice. It's a fragrant offering. The way that we love others as this overflow is a powerful picture to the world of the grace of God, that they get to see through our love for others that sometimes don't deserve it because we didn't deserve it. The love that we pour out is an offering. It's to the Lord, and he works amazing things. And I love this word picture that's used in here, to walk in the way of love. That it isn't something that we just, you know, achieve. That it isn't like I, I just check the box to get it. It's literally walking in the way of love. It's just, how did Jesus do it? Jesus showed his love by walking with his disciples. And how did he encourage the disciples to go and do that? To walk it out and to make disciples that make disciples. That this wasn't something that just happened overnight, but it's how they lived, not what they did. It's how they lived every single day and what they did as they walked city to city, that they would walk in the way of love, that this would be an overflow of their relationship, that the experience that they had in the love of God would become what they gave to others, right? That was this overflow that they had. Yeah, and that's, I love the picture because it is, it's real discipleship is living life with other people. 
not just telling people how to live, but actually walking through the heart. And it's personally, like when, when we do, we do different types of trainings with different church leaders and they want like a formula, like, well, how do I make a disciple? How do I live this out? And we're like, it literally starts with you. You have to be choosing it. And I think it's important. I'm going to say it this way. And then I'm going to say actually what I'm thinking now more than ever, biblical literacy and a biblical world worldview matters. Now learning your theology and being rooted in what God's word says and being specific and holding truth to that matters more than ever in our current climate. As we walk out loving people like Jesus loved them, though, that doesn't mean, though, we're necessarily on a war path to create things, to put things in the Bible that were not there. Does that make sense? And that's what I love is that Jesus was in personal relationship with people, right? He went and found Zacchaeus and invited himself to his home. He sat with a woman at the well. He found all the sinners he could, and he didn't just scream at them that they were sinners. He actually built relationship. And then he still spoke truth, but he did that in love, but he heard their stories. He knew where they were at. He knew where they were coming from. And I think it's, it's this healthy balance of we don't want to excuse sin, but just hearing somebody's story doesn't, doesn't mean that you agree with them. It means that you just care enough about to know who they are and what they're experiencing in their life. And then we get to let the Holy Spirit do what he does best, which is actually change lives. Our job is just to do what he asks us to do. So our hope from this message, yeah, we're wrapping up here, is just to go before all the things that you go and do, before even you're on your mind right now getting ready to go to your meetings and your, uh, your committee meetings and your classes that are coming up and your homework, that you would just pause for a second and go, Jesus, what are you doing in my life? How have you spoken to me? How do you love me? And do I anchor to the love that you have for me first? And that is it because of the love that I have for you that I actually am empowered to do these different things? That it's from that that I have the overflow and the excitement to continue in ministry. Because without that, without that fuel and that motivation, all of us, every single one of us, will be depleted at some point. We need that fuel, that source of who God is to evaluate in your life. Am I, am I truly doing this because of my love for Jesus? Do I simply love Jesus because he loves me so much? If I, am I embracing that? Am I remaining in that? And that because of that overflow, how does that affect the people that I'm around, the people that I'm doing life with at school, the people that I'm working with, those that are my family, all those different spheres of your life that you go, how am I living this out in my real world? Does this affect everything that I do? I'm going to close with uh, a scripture you're probably familiar with that really summarizes all this. The greatest commandment, as Jesus was challenged and asked, what is the greatest commandment? He responded with, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And the second is equally important. You must love your neighbor as yourself. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you for just this challenge today. And we just thank you for your love for us. Thank you for what you've done in our life that we would remember that, um, God, that we would uh, not forget that first love of, of who you are, the great gap that you filled for our sin, where we were without you, and who we are because of you. God, we're just grateful for your love. God, I'm just praying today for every student in this room, that they would experience you in a new way. Even in their quiet time, they would just be able to reflect on what you've done for them and embrace that. And that would change the way that we live. That would change the love that we pour out to others in ministry in our homes, in our, in our world, the people that we're around. God, that we would, we would be a light of the love that you've shown us individually. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening today. 
Boise Bible College exists to raise up leaders for the church, where we value scholarship, humility, innovation, and community. For more information about Boise Bible College, please see boisebible.edu.